So welcome, Vu. We are so excited to have you back with us again this year. We, we're really sort of looking at, at all the silver linings we can find in this COVID pandemic. And one of, the, one of the silver linings for us is that we were able to get you back as a keynoter for our virtual fall conference this year. So thank you so much for agreeing to come back and talk to us crazy animal people again. <laughs> thank you, Jamie. It's really great to be back. <laughs> So I know many of our members follow your blog and, and really keep track of you and really look to you for, for um, not, only, not only wisdom, but also humor. I, I think that's one of the things that's so amazing about what you do is not only do you have these really amazing insights into the, the management and governance of, of a not-for-profit organization, but, but you, you also have this incredible wit and the way that you frame things makes it all, it's, it's understandable, but it's also a whole lot of fun. How in the world do you manage to, to turn a nonprofit into a comedy routine? <laughs> Thanks, Jim. You're my new favorite person right now. I don't get this sort of reception in Seattle. People are like, oh, it's Vu. I saw my Costco. He was buying vodka again. You know, like this. <laughs> so, so thank you. I, I appreciate that. Uh, the sector is really great. I love our sector. I think that we do we deal with a lot of serious stuff, but the sector itself is full of really amazing people, and we have great senses of humor. I mean, we have to yeah. see the stuff that we're that we're doing, and we just we don't point it out enough, you know. So, I tell people uh, that all the time. How can, we we underestimate the value of that. You know, we we have this tendency to take ourselves way too seriously, and life's too short not to have a little fun. Yeah, exactly. And I think that we have just so much material. I'm working on some uh, nonprofit shows right before the pandemic. I was uh, I was gonna do like a sketch comedy show and then pitch it to Netflix. It'll be like Saturday Night Live, but you know about nonprofit and philanthropy. So I was working on some sketches. Yeah, we I I one I once pitched a a sitcom set in an animal shelter to a. <laughs> A, 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 a famous sort of Hollywood star that I had the good fortune of meeting. And I said, yeah. we could start every episode in a staff meeting in an animal shelter. Um, and then she said, yeah, but do you think anybody would really ever believe any of that? <laughs> I said, yeah, truth is indeed stranger than fiction in our field. That's for sure. I think that's brilliant. I mean, everyone can relate to animal shelters. People love uh, pets and, you know, and adopting them and, and so on. I think that would make a great premise. Yeah, have, let's talk some more about that. Do you guys have pets yourselves? No, Jim, I we don't. I, I, the kids really want some puppies or some kittens. And they're seven and four. And I'm not so sure they're responsible enough. And plus, I had a dog when I was young. And then he died. And then I just promised I would never allow myself to love another dog again. So <laughs> it was heartbreaking. Well, you, get, you, need, to, you need to get those kids a puppy. I know, but they are so irresponsible. I mean, they're like seven and four. That's all they right. should be more responsible. They should be cooking and vacuuming. Driving it. Out. I know. <laughs> I have to drive them everywhere. It's just annoying. It's like you're four now. Here's a bus token. Go, you know, go to preschool. I don't know. <laughs> but I guess I grew up in a different country, you know, and and. I had to learn how to make stuff, uh, like learn how to make a fire when I was seven and, and learn how to cook and stuff. So I don't know. Yeah, I guess I, the kids are a little foil. I'm still not good at most of that stuff, and I am definitely not seven. So, <laughs> so let me ask you this. I, you know, we've all experienced so many challenges 
is over this last eight or nine months since the, the pandemic hit. And I, you know, I, I know in our industry, we were really able to, to bring folks together. One, that's been one of, the, one of the great benefits of this whole thing. You know, I, as I say, we're, we're constantly looking for silver linings in all of this. And, and one of them for us is that we really came together as an industry. We've got, we've got organizations and individuals who are working together on a regular basis to solve problems. And these are people that may not have even had a conversation with one another prior to the pandemic. So it's really done that for us. What, are, what other changes have you seen sort of across the not-for-profit spectrum as a result of COVID? Yeah, well, first of all, y'all are doing amazing work. I know so many people who have been really lonely, isolated, and adopting some, some pets uh, has been life-saving for them. So I think it's just really important, the work that you all are doing. Uh, I have been seeing people just really challenging a lot of their assumptions about what can be changed. You know, I think in the past, we were just like, no, you can't work from home. And when a lot of colleagues who have disabilities are like, look, we need, we need accommodations. We can work from home more, et cetera. And then when all of us are forced into doing it, we're like, oh, okay, we can, let's, let's do this. When disabled folks have been saying these things for a long time. So I think people are starting to wake up a little bit more. So that's good. I do think that people are, are being more considerate about the ecosystem that they are in. I see more nonprofits supporting one another and being more just just lifting up other missions and being thoughtful about that. So I'm 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 really glad. I think there are some silver linings that, that can come out yeah. of this. That's fantastic. I, I have to agree. So one of the things that we have done this year, and I think probably being locked up in in in, in our homes and trying to do all of our business without traveling and, and actually physically connecting with other people, we've really, we've, we have really gotten very deeply entrenched in making things better from a diversity, equity, and inclusion standpoint in the animal welfare space. Um, it's something that I'm, I'm ashamed to say we've got a tremendous amount of work to do. You know, we've, we've always done a great job of focusing on the animals. And unfortunately, in our field, we haven't done nearly as good a job focusing on the people, whether they're people out in our communities or people who work within our facilities. So we're, we're really very, very heavily concentrated on that. What's your best advice for us to make sure that we stay on track? This is, you know, we're, we're in this for the long haul. And I, and I, as I've said to my board and to our industry as a whole, we're not kidding. We're, we're very serious about this, but we want to do it right. So what, what, what can you, what can you, what advice can you give me to make sure I do it right? <laughs> well, thanks, Jim. I, this is what I'll be talking a lot at, uh, about on uh, during my keynote, which is the DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, and hiring practices. You know, so many of our hiring practices are really inequitable. For example, we still uh, don't disclose salary ranges in job postings. We still require people to have a, a valid driver's ID um, to be able to lift 50 pounds, which really discriminates against people with disabilities. Uh, we still don't prioritize things such as being able to speak a different language, right? And so a lot of the work that's being done here and a lot of outreach that's being done is to certain people and we're leaving behind others, people who may not have English as their first language, for example, or disabled people. Um, so we have to really start thinking about like how are we hiring, how do we look, how do we how do we look like the communities that we're serving? And it's not just our staff, but also our boards. Boards are very very white, and they tend to be geared towards people who have money. So it's more the white people who have money, 
and that is not really representative of our community. So I think I think we also need to really rethink the board compositions and how we go about doing board uh, board outreach, as well as just general communication. And I think as we move into uh, more virtual settings and so on, we have to think about like captions, for example, things that we really didn't think a lot about in, in the past. That's that's fascinating stuff. I mean, I, I, I one of the cool things about our, our DEI committee has been that we walk away from those conversations and we meet regularly. We walk away from those conversations and I, I learn so much. And, you know, I, I, I've often said the day that I quit learning is the day that I need to just hang it up. It's, it's time to, to call it a day. And uh, I, I have learned more from this DEI group probably than from anything else that I've done in my entire career. Um, and and it's, it's amazing to me that people are willing to share their stories and their stories are, are incredibly compelling, oftentimes incredibly disturbing um, to hear. And that's one of the things that we committed to early on was that we were going to be willing to have the hard conversations. And sometimes they're hard to have. So we're counting on you to sort of lighten it up a little bit because it's sometimes these conversations get really heavy and really deep. And, and I think you, one of the things that, again, that you have this amazing talent for is, is sort of finding the, finding the light side, finding a way to really shed light on things in a really positive, funny, humorous, human way. Yeah, well, like you said, Jim, it's, it can be really fun, right? We learn all sorts of stuff. Once we're in that mindset, of let's learn stuff, let's let's learn how we can better support one another, then equity, diversity, and inclusion does not have to be so scary like a lot of us, you know, think it, that that it could be. For example, I learned that uh, when when we talk about, you know, like fonts, fonts such as, what, what's the one that everyone hates? Comic Sans, right? Everyone hates Comic Sans. <laughs> we make fun of it all the time. I make fun of it. And then I realized that comic science is actually really helpful, can be very helpful for people with dyslexia because of the way that it's shaped and, and so on. It can be very helpful for folks who are neurodiverse. And that's really fascinating to me, right? So I think that's really cool, the stuff that we can learn by working with one another. And it just makes our community way more inclusive and more fun to be in. So I think I think it can be fun. So if you were doing the 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 30 second elevator speech to pitch your your keynote address at our conference coming up what would you say i'm gonna say it's like a feedback sandwich right <laughs> where i talk about how awesome we are i think that's really important then all the challenges that we need to do differently all the things we have to do differently regarding hiring regarding outreach the way that we define qualification and then the other end of the sandwich is like more positivity because our sector is pretty amazing. And especially these last few months during the pandemic, we have stepped up so much and it's incredible. And we don't appreciate ourselves enough. Yes, we do need to improve. And at the same time, I think we have to recognize just how amazing we are. Thank you so much for agreeing to come and present at the conference again. I know the, the members are all incredibly excited. We've used the heck out of it to, to recruit folks to come and, and attend the conference. So I hope you don't mind if we've exploited you a little bit just to, to, to get people there to hear your message. And I, for one, can't wait. So we'll see you right here in early December. Ah, oh, thank you, Jim. It's, thank you.